This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. You're listening to C-Suite Success Radio with your host and executive coach, Sharon Smith. If corporate success is your goal, C-Suite Success Radio offers you informative interviews with experts that will help you shorten your learning curve and accelerate your momentum to higher achievement. C-Suite Success Radio makes it simple and easy for you to tap into the wisdom of other successful business people who know the path you're traveling. If you're ready for success in corporate America, welcome to your new home at C-Suite Success Radio. And now, time for your host and C-Suite executive coach, Sharon Smith. Welcome to this week's episode of C-Suite Success Radio. I am your host, Sharon Smith of C-Suite Results. Each week we focus on success, a word we all know and something we strive towards, but not a word that's easy to define. All of our topics and guests are aimed to help you achieve the goals you've set for your organization and for yourself as a leader, but more importantly, to help you accelerate the pace of your success. On today's show, we have Bob Berg, the author of a number of books on sales, marketing, and influence, with total book sales of well over a million copies. His book, The Go-Giver, co-authored with John David Mann, has sold over half a million copies and it has been translated into 21 languages. It has been released in a new expanded edition, the foreword by Huffington Post founder and publisher Ariana Huffington. Bob is a sought-after speaker at company leadership and sales conferences, sharing the platform with everyone from today's business leaders and broadcast personalities to even former U.S. presidents. Bob is an advocate supporter and defender of the free enterprise system, believing that the amount of money one makes is directly proportional to how many people they serve. He's also an unapologetic animal fanatic and serves on the board of trustees of Furry Friends Adoption and Clinic in his hometown of Jupiter, Florida. Let's listen to the conversation I had with Bob and learn how he defines success and the lessons he has learned to help you gain the edge you're looking for. I'm very excited to welcome Bob Berg to the phone today. Bob, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Sharon. Great to be with you. Thank you. I was gifted a copy of The Go-Giver by a mutual friend of ours, and Ah. I really enjoyed it so much. Thank you. For several reasons. One is I love parables. I love books that I can read that are a story because for me, I grasp the concepts so much faster and I read through Mm. them quicker. So I really appreciate that you wrote it in that format. Well, thank you. You know, stories tend to connect with people. And once we connect at a heart level, now it's a lot easier for people to accept a message and to act on that message. And I was very fortunate that I got to co-author this with John David Mann, who was really the lead storyteller, the lead writer. He's a brilliant writer. I'm much more of a how-to person. So it was a really good collaboration. I love when when two minds are able to come together and take mm-hmm. their take their two skill sets and everybody's able to pull from what they do best and work together and learn from each other. That must have been a good time. It, it was. And he's really he's a joy to work with because he's such a brilliant guy, but he's so humble and he just uh, makes the process very, very easy. The books you had written prior to The Go-Giver, were any of them in parable format or was this the first time you did that? 
No, no, I, I've really been a how-to writer. <laughs> so, you know, writing a how-to book isn't difficult, right? You simply write what you know exactly. and or what, or what you think you know. Hopefully you do, <laughs> you do know. And then you have someone edit it and, you know, it ends up being a, a clean-looking, hopefully uh, easy-to-read book. But uh, no, to, to me, uh, you know, writing a how-to book is simply you share what you know. Writing a parable is different. That, that it is, although it's based on many incidents that happened that we included in the book and, and based on a lot of real life principles, it's still a work of fiction. So you're still putting a story together. And that's something that's that's out of my strength zone, if you will. That's awesome. Now it's something you probably could do again and again if you needed to or wanted to. We've had a few of the books out. So we, we had The Go-Giver. We also had a a, a more of a, uh, a how-to aspect of Go-Givers Sell More. But then we followed up with The Go-Giver Leader, and then next year, in uh, next April uh, 2018, we have the Go Giver Influencer coming out. So, so there's actually three parables we've uh, written together. Forward to reading the next one in the series as well. Thank you. I'm interested in talking with you about success from the perspective of giving, because that is what you guys really wrote the book about, was the idea of giving being one of the keys to success. Can we expand on that? Sure. And let's really define what we mean by giving in this case, because you bring up an excellent point. Uh, the, the, the basic premise, Sharon, of The Go-Giver is simply that shifting one's focus, and this is a key, shifting one's focus from getting to giving. Now, when we say giving in this in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing value to others and understanding that doing so is not only a, a pleasant way to conduct business, it's actually a very financially profitable way of doing business as well. Because remember, people are not going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet. They're not going to buy from you because you need the money or even because you're a really, really nice person who believes in what you do. People are going to buy from you because they believe it's in their best interest to do so, that they'll be better off by doing so than by not doing so. Because of this, you're much more likely to, to have people wanting to do business with you when your focus is genuinely and authentically on them of making their life better uh, you know, through your, your product or service. And how often do you find that organizations are doing this at a core level? The culture within the organization actually teaches this method to their employees about giving. The ones that are sustainably profitable, okay, not just profitable, but sustainably profitable, they do this. It is part of their culture. They don't call it necessarily giving or, or you know, what have you, but but they understand that their boss is the customer, that ultimately it's the customer that that keeps them in business, that that causes them to thrive or can put them out of business by uh, voting with their feet and walking to the next to the other place, whether it's online or uh, a traditional bricks and mortars store. So this message, the go giver definitely applies to all organizations or all people listening, regardless of whether they themselves are an entrepreneur. Oh, sure. Because remember, even when you work for someone else, when you work in another person's organization, you may not be an entrepreneur in the sense of the word that it's your own business or that you, but you're an intrapreneur, right? You still have to be entrepreneurial in terms of understanding you need to add value to those you are serving. Now, in this case, when you work within a company, your customers are your coworkers, 
your customer is your supervisor, your customer is the employer, and of course your customer is the end user, whether it's directly or not. But remember, no one's gonna hire you because you need a paycheck or because you need to make your mortgage payment. They're gonna hire you because they believe that you are going to bring them more use value than what they're paying. Oh, I'm so glad that came up because oftentimes people listening or people I talk to are entrepreneurs or maybe even the CEO of a larger organization or a smaller organization and they're thinking about the end customer. But of course, there are a lot of people out there who are listening as well that are employees or looking for their next job. I know people in that position as well. And I love how you just talked about that is still they still have customers. They still can provide value, and they can still use this idea of giving as, sure. as a plan for, for getting to where they want to get by giving more value. Find, find a way to solve other people's problems. Find a way to make other people's lives better. Find a way to bring value to others, and you will be always a very marketable commodity. Absolutely. And in the book, we have a character who is the mentor in the book. His name is Pinder. And I want to know from your experience in career and life, have you had mentors over the years? Well, I've been very, very fortunate. Uh, first, I, I was born to a couple great mentors, my mom and dad, who just set a great example of what people should be. So I, I got to to witness that and, and grow up with that. But I've also been very fortunate that along the, the way, I've had people who have come into my life at certain times, apparently just when I needed them to, <laughs> or, you know, whether it was a, an athletic coach or whether it was a sales manager or whether it was, you know, just someone who was there, a, a teacher or, or someone who was there when I needed their information. Other times when I was starting out in business and I would know of people who were who were very successful and I'd call them and it seemed like most of the time when I called to ask questions, people were very, very receptive. Now, I also made sure that I communicated as much value as I could to them. I would always thank them profusely, send a handwritten thank you note. I would introduce them to other people I thought they would you know, be find to be of value. If I knew they were a, a collector of old books, I would find a way to find that book and have it sent to them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so we can, we can always make sure that we look for ways to add value to others, even when we're not in the kind of position as they are to be able to give quite as much value. That's really useful information. I don't I don't think everyone thinks of value in, in, in the same way that you're talking about it in terms of being able to even add value by saying thank you or sending that handwritten thank you letter, uh, finding that book, whatever it might be. I think this is a really great conversation for people thinking, well, I don't have anything to contribute when everybody has something to contribute, even if it is something Something as simple as a real thank you. That's a great point. That's a such a, a great point. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that yeah. up. It's, it's, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So when someone is looking for a mentor, then how do they go about that process? If someone doesn't fall in their lap at the right time, but they really mm -hmm. need somebody or want someone to help them, whether it's in business, in life, entrepreneurial, something they're working towards, but maybe they feel stuck. How does someone go about finding the right mentor? Well, you know, as far as the right mentor, it's probably someone who has either accomplished what you would like to accomplish or has has generally been very successful and lives their life based on certain success principles that are universal and someone who whose values are congruent with yours. Now, in terms of reaching out to that person, I think we can respectfully reach out to anyone, but I think we need to do it in a way 
that creates more of an environment where they're going to be agreeable. For example, I've seen a lot of people who try to reach out to a mentor by saying, hey, I need help. Will you mentor me or will you be my mentor? And you know, asking someone with whom you don't have a relationship to just be your mentor is sort of like, uh, you know, asking someone to marry you before asking them out on a date. <laughs> I mean, it's it's like saying to somebody, hey, would you share your 40 years of experience with me, even though you don't know me from a hole in the wall? Uh, a mentor protege relationship is just that it's a relationship and it takes time to build and develop. And so what I would suggest is, sure, you can reach out to that person uh, and, and you can let them know that you're, you know, in the process of either beginning a business or that, you know, you, you've admired their work and you, uh, you know, I realize you're extremely busy, but if it's not too presumptuous of me to, to ask, I'd love to take just a couple of minutes to ask one or two very specific questions. You know, again, if you're too busy at this time or, you know, simply would rather not, I will absolutely understand. Boom. You phrase it like that with respect, giving that person an out or back door, and you're increasing the chances that that person is going to say, no, by all means, go ahead and ask. And then when they do, you know, again, you want to not take too much of their time. You want to thank them profusely, send that thank you note that very day. A handwritten thank you note, not a text, not even an email. And then you can always follow up a few weeks later, you know, took your advice. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, if I may just briefly ask, boom, 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 or something like that. And, and what happens is eventually over time, if it's supposed to happen, a mentor protege relationship will develop. And if it's not, it's okay. Sometimes, you know, not every mentor is someone who's going to be there for 20 years or five years. Sometimes, hey, I, some of the best advice I ever got was from what my friend Donji Scumachi, who happens to be a mentor of mine. She's she's just very big in the leadership mentorship area, uh, what, what she and I call drive-by mentors. And that's someone who just happens to give you a golden piece of advice and you don't even know that person, or you may have met them very quickly and never see them again, but the advice they give you, assuming you're ready for it, was absolutely, totally right on the mark and what you needed to hear. That's a great point because I think when we're open to it and looking for it, anybody can almost be that person from a drive-by mentor. You never know who is going to teach you what as long as you're open to receive the message. Right. And, and of course, that doesn't mean just accept everyone's advice right. at face value. <laughs> you know, we're not, right. But, but it does mean that if we're open to receiving it, uh, you know, it may be exactly what we need to hear. So what I'm saying is we can, we can seek out mentors without the attachment of, you know, that person having to be our one and only mentor. And what is perhaps the best piece of advice that you've ever received from a mentor? Well, it, it was actually from that drive-by mentor. And what happened was I had been in sales for a couple of years. I had studied sales, learned sales, was applying the information and doing pretty well, yet not as well as I could have been. There was a lot of potential that wasn't being realized. Sort of like Joe in The Go-Giver. There was a gentleman where I was working, and he was not even in the sales department. He was an older guy. He was an engineer. Uh, and when I say older guy, he's probably my age now, right? But this was <laughs> almost 40 years ago. So, you know, he was an older guy. And, uh, you know, nice guy. I don't even know if I ever saw him again. I think he retired soon after. But I, I remember coming back to the office. I was really disgusted at myself because I did not make the sale. And he said to me, Berg, can I give you a piece of advice? I said, yeah, sure. Please do. And he said, 
if you want to make a lot of money in, in business, actually said, if you want to make a lot of money in sales, he said, don't have making money your target. Your target is serving others. Now, when you hit the target, he said, you'll get a reward, and that reward will come in the form of money. But never forget, the money is simply the reward for hitting the target. It's not the target itself. The target is serving others. And that was the difference maker for me. That's when I learned what sales was really all about, and that it wasn't about me. It was not about my product or service, as important as the product or service is. It's about the other person and how they would benefit based on their individual needs, wants, and desires. Is that where the premise for The Go-Giver came from? Yeah, I think yeah. it is. <laughs> how, how long before writing and having the opportunity to write The Go-Giver was this advice given to you? Oh, back in the uh, 80s, I think, in the mid-80s. And you, at the time, probably never thought of it as a book. No, no, I was just, you know, it was just something that helped me uh, refocus in terms of my my sales. How did it go from that? And was it 40? I think you said you said 80s, so it wasn't 40 years. Yeah, yeah, I know you, 30, you're right. It's probably about 35 years, years yeah, ago or so. 30 some years ago. Yeah. What was it, <laughs> at what point did you say, oh, wait, I've got this idea for this book and it's about service. Where did that come from? I love to hear the inspiration behind these kinds of ideas. Well, once I was um, doing really well in sales and I worked my way up to sales manager of that company and um, eventually started teaching others what was working for me. Uh, and I began uh, speaking on this, but what I, first I was actually selling another person's products who was a speaker. And then I broke off onto my own and so forth. But what, when, when I started, um, speaking on business networking, which was really my first thing I really began speaking on after the, after what I was doing for the other person, I wrote a book in the early, I guess, 94 came out endless referrals, network your everyday contacts into sales. And that was a book basically for salespeople who found it difficult to create the relationships, you know, the what I call the know, like, and trust relationships that that uh, cause people to want to do business with you and refer you to others. So that book is what my speaking career was really based on for many years. But I'd always read parables, as you mentioned at the beginning of our of this interview. Parables are just a you know a lot of fun to read. They make a great connection with people. So I always thought, wouldn't it be a cool idea? I didn't always think this, but I'd say around right after the two thousands. And I'd read so many parables that I really enjoyed and learned so much from. I said, wouldn't it be a cool idea if we could take the basic premise from endless referrals, which is all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust, uh, and put that into a parable form. So my question to myself was, okay, so what's the main, what is the main way, if you will, that someone earns that know, like, and trust? Well, they're always giving. They're always giving value. Came up with the name The Go-Giver, but it wasn't until I reached out to uh, John David Mann, who at the time I'd only met online and on the phone because he, I don't even think on the phone, excuse me, I think just online because he was the editor-in-chief of a uh, magazine I was writing for. And so we got to know each other through that. And he, I knew I from reputation, he was a brilliant, brilliant writer. He was not anywhere near as well known as he is now. Now you go into a bookstore and there's, you know, there's probably 10 books there that have either been co-authored or with or ghostwritten by John David Mann that are New York Times bestsellers. But back then he was just known within a very specific name. 
niche. Fortunately, I, I was one of those who knew him. So <laughs> I asked him, and when I say ask, I mean I pleaded with him <laughs> to be the uh, lead writer and, and storyteller of the book. And so, you know, we got together on that. We're turned down by about 23, 24, 25 uh, publishing houses. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, and then finally we uh, uh, we found Portfolio. Through our agent, we found, who's a great agent, we found Portfolio, which is Penguin Random House, and they've been a just an amazing publishing partner. So that, that's really how that happened. Wow, that's quite a process. And I think for many people, easy to give up, up on long before you hit that yeah. that yes when you get that many no's. What kept you going? Well, we, we really felt strongly about what we had. We felt it was a, a story that had a lot of value and would bring a lot of value to, uh, to people. So, it, it, you know, giving up on that wasn't even an option for us. We just believe so much in it. But, you know, one of my favorite books is, is also another business parable. It's called Go for No by yes. my friends Andrea Waltz and Richard Fenton. Yeah, I'm familiar with that book. Yeah, and I love their premise because they say yes is the destination, no is how you get there. So I think what we all need to understand is that no is part of the process, which doesn't mean we have to enjoy it. You know, I'm, I always or I often sort of speak out a bit contrary toward what I call the political correctness of the personal development movement, where we're supposed to sometimes make make believe everything is great and rosy. You know, oh, no's are wonderful. It means this. I mean, no, I don't <laughs> like being told no. Who does? Right, it sucks. But we, yeah, it's not that we have to like it. We just have to understand it's part of the process. And I think what Andrea and Richard do in their book is they reframe it so fantastically that it makes you see no in an entirely different way. That's fantastic. I did start it at one point, like I, I've said to other folks that I've had on this show before, and my listeners have heard me say, I sometimes start a lot of books and have trouble finishing. So I did finish yours very quickly because it was written oh, in you. such a great way to read it. And I know I started Go For No or I read parts of it and I it's a book that or I have it on my Kindle it's a book I definitely need to go back and read and and enjoy so thank you for bringing that back up it's a good reminder it's a good reminder one question I have I know I only have a little bit more time with you today is I ask all my guests because I think it's super important for our listeners to understand that success is something different for everybody and that each person really defines it for themselves. My question yeah. for you then is how you define success. Well, success can be defined differently, not only in terms of its basic definition, but based on the context. Because when you think about it, what is success uh, on a very basic level, but the accomplishment of a desired goal? I mean, that is success, right? I mean, you uh, two teams play a baseball game. One team wins, the other loses. The team that won was successful. The team that, that lost was not successful in terms of the win. On the other hand, the team that lost maybe played better than what's usually expected, and they won in terms of, of you know, realizing their, their potential. So there's different – or if you want to lose uh, – Take me, for instance, you know, 10 pounds in, in two months, right? And you you do that by definition, you won, right? That, that was success. Sure. Now, if you lose nine pounds, well, you didn't you weren't successful in terms of reaching the ultimate goal, but you were 90% successful. So success can be measured in different ways. But let's take it a little bit deeper. One of the first definitions of this term I ever heard was from the great Earl Nightingale yes. on his audio program, Lead the Field. And he defined success as the progressive realization of a worthwhile dream or goal, when some people say of a worthy ideal. Now you think about this, and it's really brilliant. The progressive realization, in other words, you're moving toward it. And what, what Mr. Nightingale was saying is, by the very fact that you're moving, that you're taking positive steps in moving toward a goal or ideal, 
that in and of itself is successful. But he also said of a worthwhile dream or goal or a worthy idea. So in other words, being the top producing uh, drug dealer on your block, that's not a worthwhile goal. So that's not success. So it's got to be both you're moving towards something and it's got to be something that's a good thing. A couple very quick definitions from people. Now I'll give you mine. Is that okay? Or? Absolutely. Okay. Christopher Morley wrote, there is only one success to be able to spend your life in your own way. Beautiful. <laughs> in The that. Science of Getting Rich, written in 1910, Wallace D. Waddles wrote, the person who owns all he wants for the living of all the life he is capable of living, in other words, realizing their potential, is rich. And in their book, The Law of Attraction, Esther and Jerry Hicks, they say that the achievement of anything that you desire must be considered success. However, if you will let your standard of success be your achievement of joy, everything else will fall into place. Now, yeah, I think each and every one of those definitions are terrific. They add their own dimension to the concept of success. They don't conflict, but rather they, they complement. So mine, the one I use as, again, a general definition of success is simply this. Success is a feeling of peace of mind and genuine happiness based on having lived up to one's potential or based on having done one's best to live up to their potential. These are great. And you brought up two of my favorites. I love Earl Nightingale. I've read the transcription of that audio a couple times because uh -huh. it's very short. Again, I can read things that are short. <laughs> <laughs> and I've read it several times, and I absolutely love that definition of success. And Esther and Jerry Hicks are two of my favorites as well. So those are yeah. great. Thank you for bringing both of those up. That tells me a lot about you when you quote folks like that is <laughs> in a good way. In a good way. I have great minds. And I love your quote. So or your your definition of success. I think this is all really wonderful. And so many people are driving towards you know, all these external drives, the more money, the bigger car, the better house, the better job. But do they know why they're doing it? Are they? Is it a worthwhile ideal? Is it about happiness and joy? Or is it just for some something they think they're going to get once they get there? So th right. these are great definitions Thank uh, you. that I hope, you know, I hope our listeners really take thought in and come up with a definition for themselves that is meaningful for them or, or read some of these books and, and give it some good thought. This has been really, really wonderful. I do want to ask, you mentioned Go For No, and that is a great book. What other books or a book have you found to be absolutely uh, a must read in whether it's personal development, business, sales, something that you just thought is a must read. I, I would say this, you know, that question, if there were only one book you could suggest to someone that would give them the tools that, well, of course, uh, the question's false because there's, there's never just one book, but if there were, <laughs> and I said, you know, and I said to someone at, you know, at 18 years old, I want you to read this book because it's going to give you what you need to live a happy and successful and prosperous life. It would be a book called The Secret of Selling Anything by Harry Brown, B-R-O-W-N-E. Now, the it's not a misleading title based on the book, but it's misleading based on what I just said because it's much more than just sales. <laughs> uh, in the, the 1960s, Harry Brown wrote two manuscripts, two short manuscripts. One was about understanding human nature. Very few people understood human nature and respected human nature as Harry Brown did. Uh, he was a brilliant man and a very, very nice man. But for some reason, he never published it. But the other, other manuscript he wrote was how to apply selling to human nature. 
And so after he passed he, uh, about 10 years ago now, his uh, widow, Pamela, found those two manuscripts on his hard drive, and she shared them with a, an independent publisher, and he published them as one book that he called The Secret of Selling Anything. And to me, it is absolutely the most magnificent book. Now, it was written in the 60s, so when people read it, I say to them, please don't worry about some of the uh, – he as opposed to he or she, you know, or or um, the, the language being what we would consider today sexist, which, of mm -hmm. course, is never acceptable. But that's just the style back in the 60s. Sure, and so I, I just ask people to, to understand that when they when they read it or, you know, a car costing three thousand dollars, <laughs> you know, as opposed. So but I'm telling you, the principles are as applicable today as they were back then and as they always will be. I wrote a blog post about this on the Berg.com blog. If they go to Berg.com uh, slash blog and they just uh, either write in Harry Brown or the secret of selling need not be a secret, they can read the blog review I did on the uh, book. And it's really a book that, I guess, still not many of us know about it. But those of us who do, we tell everyone about it because it's one of those books that's just so, so very helpful. We'll definitely check it out myself. That sounds fascinating. Sounds like a yeah. great book. And yeah. I only have about four minutes tops with you, and I'm not going to even take all of that, depending on how long your last answer is to my last question. And okay. thank you so much again for being here. We do really appreciate it. But the last question for you is to just speak to the listeners on your piece of advice for an up-and-coming, whether it's a millennial or whether it's someone who's been in the workforce for a while, someone trying to get back in the workforce after maybe taking time off with their kids. What is the one thing you would say to them in terms of reaching their goals or based on your definition of success that they should keep in mind? Well, aside from choosing what you're going to do because you feel you're going to enjoy it, which I, I think is very important. I mean, hey, if you're in survival mode, sometimes you've got to take something on that you don't enjoy. That's just part of life. You just have to enjoy the fact that you have the opportunity to, to survive. But let's put that aside and say that you have the opportunity to really do something that feeds your soul, that you feel good about, that you really enjoy, that challenges your mind, that helps you grow. You want to be in a business that, that you enjoy, that you're good at, and that obviously that there's a, a market for. In order to learn that business, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Find out who has already done it successfully. Find out what they did and do it. And remember, anything that you want to do has probably already been done. And the person's documented how, whether it's on YouTube videos or through audio programs or through books that they've written or courses they're offering, one way or another, and discover that information. Or it might be someone who's your, your mentor or sales manager at work or someone who, you know, whatever, whatever the case is, and find the system, right? Don't try to reinvent the wheel. Next is to take action. Once you know enough to get started, get started. Don't wait until you're perfect because you're never going to be perfect. And so, you know, you would never get started. Just start from where you are and begin and course correct along the way. And then, you know, get past the nose. Again, take Andrea and Richard's advice and, <laughs> and understand that persistence is key. There's going to be a lot of no's on your way to the yeses. Fortunately, we need much fewer yeses than we need no's. You know, much fewer yeses than the no's we're going to get. So I think if we do that, we're always, you know, we're heading on the way. And just remember, if you're if you're constantly and consistently finding ways to add value or provide value or give value to other people's lives, you're you're always going to be extremely sought after and very, very marketable. 
Sounds like a recipe for success. Thank you so much for sharing it. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on your show. Absolutely, Bob. Thank you so much. We're going to share with our listeners your books and your website and everything for them to learn more about you and, and grab copies. But thank you so much. I'm, I'm really appreciative of you being here and to, for you giving your time to us today. Great uh, value add. Thank you. Thank you. Take care, Bob. Thanks for listening today. Tune in for our next episode. And in the meantime, you can get more resources at www.c-suiteresults.com. Make it a successful day. Like what you just heard? Visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.